scripture this morning to tie together the ministry of the last several weeks in missions. And that scripture is found in 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians. Daniel and Sierra, Natalie and Kate um, will be returning in a few days to the northern Sudan. In the Sudan, the weather is hot. Did you see the sand dunes and the sand there? And the food is different. Their apartment is cooled with something called swamp coolers. We call them air conditioners. They call them swamp coolers. If you're interested in knowing more about what that's like, just talk to Daniel after the service. He can tell you. Sierra is going to begin to teach, as we've heard, and Daniel will be taking accounting responsibilities. And, you know, for Daniel and Sierra, and for you and for me, it's the same. The message is still the same. The core of the message is still the same. Uh, The worship set this morning could not have been more beautifully chosen. It's still the cross. When Daniel and Sierra board the plane and they move to a remote part of the earth to do ministry, the core of what they're doing is still the cross. When we exit this room today and we go out into our neighborhoods and our workplaces, the core of what we carry in the gospel, it's still the cross. For those who are the most intelligent and educated, for the ones who know all about the ins and outs of mobile devices and personal computers and modern technology and the ones who have risen to a place of influence and financial security, for them, it's still the cross. For those who've made the most mistakes in life, the ones who are the poorest among us, the ones who are the neediest, the ones who have sinned and are running away from God today, it's still the cross. It's still the cross. The cross, my friend, is central. It's the focal point. It's at the core of our faith. It's the cross of Jesus Christ. The cross is God's chosen way. It's the way he chose for us to know him. It's the way through which we come to him. In fact, Jesus said there really is no other way. So in a world that tries to tell us and tell others that there's many different ways to God, they're, they're wrong. That's erroneous. There is one way, and it's the cross, the cross of Jesus Christ. He has chosen that way, and Jesus has agreed to lay down his life on that cross. In 1 Corinthians 1.18, where I've asked you to turn, we're going to see some truth there about the cross that I want to just lift uh, back to the forefront of our thinking. Because our world and our culture will confuse this message or erode this message or tell us that this message is outdated, archaic, old-fashioned, primitive. There are new thoughts out there. There are new ideas. There are more modern, there's more modern thinking. Oh, certainly the cross. That's 
that's for grandparents and and that's for former generations. What what good is the cross? Are you in 1 Corinthians 1.18? Yes. If you don't have it on your lap in your Bible, it's on the screen. I'd like you to read it with me if you would. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Paul is saying here that for some, the cross is foolishness. It's too simple. It's not intellectually stimulating. It's not self-improving or empowering. It's not modern. It's not trendy. It's not up-to-date. It's antiquated. It's old. It's for days gone by. It's for people gone by. And even in Paul's day, people were saying the message of the cross is foolishness. It's for the fool. It's for the simple-minded. It's for people who need a crutch. Have you heard that one? If you need a crutch, take Jesus. The question to ask in return is, what crutch are you leaning on? The Greeks and the non-Jews of this time, they also had similar issues with the cross. The Greeks saw the cross as foolishness because the cross was for a criminal. And in their thinking, they thought, how could someone who dies a criminal's death be a savior? Isn't the cross for a criminal? And we see on the day that Jesus died, he hung between two thieves, two criminals. It was a Roman instrument of death for a criminal. Yes, Jesus did die a criminal's death. He died our death. We are the criminals. <laughs> We are the ones that he substituted himself for. Yes, Jesus did die a criminal's death. He died our death. We are the violators. We are the lawbreakers. We're the ones that can't do it right. We're the sinful ones. We needed someone to die our death for us. And Jesus said, I'll take the criminal's death. And the Greek thought made that a problem. Because in their thinking, in their wisdom, and in their intellect, how could a Savior die a criminal's death? Oh, they needed an enlightenment that said the criminal's death that he died was for you. You are that lawbreaker. You are that criminal. In fact, in 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says, God made him, Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us. In him that we might become the righteousness of God. It was a wonderful exchange. I will take your sin, your rebellion, your selfishness, And I will give you my righteousness. We got the good end of the deal. (laughs) We got the life-giving exchange. God gave us Him for us. What a great deal. 
he made with us on the cross. Because the message of the cross is this. And you might think, oh, Pastor Cindy, this is so simple. Yes, it is. It never, ever should become complicated. And it never should ever become too familiar. Too familiar in the sense of, yeah, 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 I heard that. Got it. Bought a t-shirt. I got it. I'm there. All right. Can you give me something else? No, I'm going to remind you of the core today. In a culture of self-help, do better, change your own life, improve yourself, we need the message of the cross. We need the message of the cross. And the message of the cross is this. There's a holy God that created us to know him, to walk with him, to obey him, and to glorify him. And our selfishness and our pride and our sin separates him from us and us from him. The cross was God's choice for his son. The cross was not an accident. God didn't think, well, I'm going to give my son a, a, a nicer death, a, a cleaner death, a, a private death, a less demanding death. No, the cross was chosen by God for his son. And Jesus willingly accepted the cross for his death. He said, no man takes my life from me. I lay it down willingly. So Jesus took the cross. It was a public death. It was a humiliating death. It was a long death. It was a bloody death. His perfect life was poured out to make payment for you and for me. That sinfulness, that selfishness, that rebellion, that sinful, deep, wayward self that we are, God said, I'll pay for that. I'll pay for that. I'll pay the payment for that. It's my son. It's the cross. My friend, there's power in the death of Jesus. There's power in the cross. What evokes, what releases that power? It's one thing to acknowledge it and see it and look at it and say, yeah, that's a powerful statement. That's a powerful work. But what causes that power to leave our view and capture our heart? Why is it today that the body of Christ, the Christian church, is void of much of that power? It's not in God's holding back of it. It's within our trust and our belief and our identification with it. That is where the power is released. When we yield, when we give our trust and our belief to the cross and we identify with what Christ has done, then the power of what he did becomes alive within us. It's released within us. The power is released when we come as prideful Americans and say, I'm a sinner. I'm lost. How about this one? I'm a mess. 
How about this? I'm hopeless. I can't make it. Save me. Take my life. It's yours. Everyone who experiences the power of the cross has to come to a place like that. The cross was not made for self-help. The cross was not experienced for, for goodness. The cross was not endured to make us do a little better than what we're already doing. The cross was provided so that those of us that would come and say, I'm wasted without the cross. There is no hope without the cross. And at that moment, when we acknowledge that need, that without the cross, we are nothing, that is when the power of the cross is released. The cross was not given to us to make us better. The cross was given to us to make us new. To make us new. Biblical Christianity is not this. You know what? I have a pretty good life. I do pretty well. And you know what? I'm going to embrace Christianity too to make it a little bit better. I mean, I, I want to have it all. <laughs> I want to kind of have my life and I want to bring Jesus in too. And, and if I have Jesus too, my life's going to go to another level. That's not the message of the cross. The message of the cross is a coming down from human pride and self-sufficiency, and I got it all under control, and life is good, too. I'm broken. I'm helpless. I'm sinful. I need the cross. That's when the power of the cross takes over. I want to say carefully today, in the body of Christ, and I say that in quotes, in the church at large, there are many false conversions. There are many false conversions because there's not a coming down. There's a standing up and a taking on. And that's not the message of the cross. So there are many people in the institutional church today that think they're saved and they're not saved because they're not saved by the cross. They're saved by just becoming better and, and gooder and cleaner and nicer and friendlier. That's not the message of the cross. The message of the cross is in 2 Corinthians 5.17. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation, not a better creation, not an enhanced creation, not a nicer creation. He is a new creation. Old things are gone. Everything becomes new. That's the power of the cross. And it's available for everyone, churched and unchurched, wicked and sinful and good and, and wonderful, all people. People in the northern part of Sudan this morning and people sitting in a church in Stowe, Ohio. The cross is power, but we have to embrace the power. We have to come down and say, 
Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, release your power in me. I'm nothing without you. That's the message of the cross. Natalie Grant says it like this in the song, The Power of the Cross. Once in darkness, now in light. Once blind, now I see. Once a sinner, now a saint. Once bound, now free. Once a stranger, now a child. Empty, now filled. Once condemned, now reconciled. Broken, now healed. And she sings, that's the power of the cross. That's the power of the cross. My friend, the core of the gospel is this. It's not becoming a better person. It's not doing better. It's not having God come and help us fix our life. It is death. It is the giving up. It's the laying down. It's the giving over of yourself. That's where the power touches your life and makes you new. As long as you hold on to yourself, there's no power in the cross. It is all for His glory and His power and His name. And therefore, His death means for us life. So at the core of the gospel is the cross. The core of the gospel is this. Christ crucified on a cross. Christ dying on a cross. And you and I dying with Him so that we can live a new life. Paul said it like this in Galatians 2.20, For I am crucified with Christ. What's he saying? I identify. Christ died for sin. I die with him. Cindy dies. Cindy's gone. But nevertheless, he says, I live. I have a life. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It's new. It's different. It's transformed. That's the cross. And many of us aren't excited about the cross because we haven't embraced the power of the cross. And when the power of God hits your life through the cross, I'll tell you what, there's a lot to be excited about. So much so that it ignites you to talk about it and speak it and share it and give it out. Two Wednesday nights ago, I had the opportunity to lead a young lady to the Lord in our parking lot. Somebody I've known for three years called me on the phone and was telling me about her troubles. And I said, what do you think? The Lord is trying to say to you, and he's trying to say to me, come to me. That's what she said to me. He's trying to say to me, come to me. And I thought, here's an opportunity for the power of the cross. I said, meet me here in the parking lot. She met me here in the church parking lot. And I said, you repeat a prayer after me. If you mean this, you repeat it. If you don't mean it, you don't have to say what I'm saying. And she repeated every word. And the blood of Jesus Christ washed her sin away. And the power of the cross entered into her life because she was broken and she was empty and she was done. She was done trying. She was done working at it. She was done trying to figure it out. 
She was done. And when she was done, God said, all right, I'm here. The power of the cross can enter in right at this moment. And it did. And she's new. She's 2 Corinthians 5.17 today. Are all her problems gone? No. But she's new. She's brand new. That's the power of the cross. I can get excited about that. I can't get excited about religious duty. I can't get excited about just average Christianity in and out and back and forth. I can't get excited about that for very long. But I can get excited about the power of the cross. And what has happened for her and what has happened for me and others in this room can happen for you. But the message of the cross is you have to come to the end of you. And that's so hard for Americans. That's so hard. Americans, and I is one. (laughs) Americans are self-sufficient. Americans pride themselves in their reputation. Americans pride themselves in what they can accomplish and how they can figure it out. And they can manage, and they don't need anyone else. Unless there's a bump in the road, and so maybe we'll ask God through prayer for a little help over here. But basically, we have it together. Let me just blow that myth out of the water. We don't have it together. That's pride. I have it together. No, because in this passage, in that, this scripture as we close... Notice Paul says it is the power of God to those who are being saved. Do you see that there? To those who are being saved. Let me just tell you, the power of the cross is for the moment of salvation. But the power of the cross is for us every day. The power of the cross is for us every day. And that's what Paul is trying to relay to the reader there. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. We live by the cross. Luke 9.23 says, If any man would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross every day, daily, and follow me. Today is a cross day. Tomorrow is a cross day. Tuesday is a cross day. What does he mean there? What is Jesus saying there? He's saying, identify with me every day. Identify with my sacrifice every day. Pick up the fact that you need me every day and that without me, you're lost every day. Identify with me every day. The cross is our daily way. The cross is a laying down of and a dying to us. This is painful. I don't know how much of this you've gone through. I've gone through some of it, and it hurts. But Lord, get down. Humble yourself. Keep your mouth shut. Give it to me. Let me work. But I... Sit down. Be quiet. Give it to me. Let me work. It's a daily dying to us 
and our way and our thinking and our desires and the things that we want so desperately. God has something greater. He has something bigger. He has something better. But we are holding on to the penny candy when there's a half a pound of fudge in the window. I put it in terms I can understand. We're just the penny candy. Our stuff is so empty and so temporal and so minuscule. God has so much more. The entryway to that place is the cross. And us dying to ourselves, the good and the bad, the, the, the things we think are great and the things that we think are crummy, but we die to it all. And the fudge is in the window. God's best for us is in the window. And He will give it to us through the cross. And finally, the cross is humility and surrender. It's coming underneath the authority and the direction of God. And that's humbling. That's surrendering. Jesus said, for whoever wants to save his life, hang on to it. Keep the penny candy. We'll lose it. But whoever loses his life or comes the way of the cross, for me, you're going to save your life. Your life will count in the end if you give up the little stuff and embrace his plan, his way, his cross. Your life will be found if it's given in humility and surrender. So this is what God has for us. He has the way of the cross. Nothing less. It's through the cross. It is the power of God. The power of God, God wants to give to all of us. He wants us to live in that power. And if you're like some believers, and I've been here before too, we want God's power but we don't know how to get it. We want that supernatural, spirit-filled life. We want what God has. We read it in His Word. And yes, yes, yes. Fantastic. Terrific. Wow. How do I get there? How does what I read and what I know of the Lord come into my life? The power is in the cross. The power is coming to Him and through Him. And when we do, the power of God will be ours. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. Let's pray. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for the cross. Thank you, Jesus, for what you accomplished on the cross. Thank you, Jesus, for laying your life down there. Thank you, Jesus, for becoming sin for us. Thank you, Jesus, for dying a criminal's death that we might have the righteousness of God. What a wonderful Beautiful exchange. You have done it all. Jesus, you have paid it all. 
All to you we owe. Sin left a crimson stain and you washed it white as snow. That is through the cross. As we close in prayer this morning, as our eyes are closed, you may be a church person.